Hello, gorgeous, and welcome to the Lipstick Network, a place and space where we see, celebrate, and love one another. I am Cherry Golden. I'm your host. Hello, ladies. I am so happy that you're here today. We are continuing our mental wellness series with Dr. Mimi Del Valle. She's a psychiatrist at the James A. Haley Veterans Women's Center here in the Tampa Bay area. She is unbelievable. She is kind and brilliant and selfless and vulnerable. I hope our conversation today is helpful to you. We talk about anxiety. We talk about depression. We talk about the signs leading to that, what our triggers can be how to help ourselves, and then when it's time to get some professional help. He says that we always need support, and I hope that this podcast is just one of those resources of support. But sometimes we need a little more than that. We might need a little professional help, and that's okay. I get it. It's changed my life. Maybe you have a really, really close friend. This network, this podcast, this community is about you, is about seeing you, celebrating you, and loving you. And Mimi Del Valle does that every single day for our service women who have sacrificed and served for our country, for our freedom. And there comes some stuff with that, some stuff from childhood. Maybe you've gone through some abuse, some trauma. And we talk about that. We talk about how to process that, the work that we all need to do to overcome these instances in our life so that they don't fought, define us for the rest of our lives. They don't define our children's lives. They don't define our hopes and our dreams. That when we do the work and we process the trauma and work through it, we see the signs and the triggers and put in the work to heal what we're, what we're capable of. It's unbelievable. I hope you love this conversation. I had, I learned so much. She's so wonderful. Originally from Puerto Rico, born there, trained here in the States. She, her husband's a doctor as well. So these two people on the front lines, and then they have two little girls who are so fabulous and wonderful and fierce and kind and loving. She kind of does it all. So she's a mom. She's a therapist serving women day in, day out. And then just as a little side note that she'll share, a girlfriend of hers who is also a doctor, mother to a premature baby, was freaking out about bringing COVID into her home. So Mimi, seeing the need, said, Oh, well, just come to my house, strip down in the garage, shower at my house, and then then you'll know there's an extra layer of protection. And I just was laid out by that. How That's it, ladies, us loving each other, seeing each other, meeting the need. Women love each other better than anything in the world. And I just want to empower that in you. I want to empower and see and celebrate and love on that for you because you do it in so many ordinary, extraordinary ways every single day. So I see you. I celebrate you. I love you. I hope this podcast is helpful to you. If you need anything, reach out. Um, I'm happy to connect you with people in my life that are here to support you. I hope you have a great rest of your day and uh, yeah, be blessed. Just a quick heads up. We do talk a little bit about trauma and some tough things, nothing explicit or scary, But if you want an extra layer of protection, go ahead and pop in those AirPods and uh, enjoy this episode. I hope it blesses you. Last but not least, the Lipstick Network is new. 
I would be so grateful if you would rate us and leave a review. That's to help people find us. We're just, we're just starting out. So it takes a village. I know that. My life is a testament to that. And you're a part of mine. And I want to be a part of yours. So be good. Have a great weekend. See you later, tits. Ciao. Welcome, Dr. Mimi Del Valle to the Lipstick Network. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me, Terry. Oh, I'm so excited. So we're going to call you Dr. D, um, or we'll call you Dr. Del Valle, and then to me, you're Mimi because you're my neighbor and you have two little girls uh, who are similar age to my eldest. Uh, so tell me a little bit about you, your family, your background, and let's get started there. Okay, I'm in my high 30s. I won't say the number. <laughs> Born and raised in Puerto Rico. Came to the States in 2009, where I moved to New York City. And I trained there and I became an adult psychiatrist there. And then I, um, then I moved to Atlanta, where I train in child psychiatrists. So I lived there two years. And I've been in Tampa now for almost six. And I have... My, I married my high school sweetheart, so we've been together 20 plus years, and we have two little girls, and they are three, and one of them just turned five. And they are so, muy fuerte. They're like fierce females, right? They are. They are their own little fierce personalities, yes. Well, listen, we are fierce females, and we're raising fierce females, and like, booyah, I'm all about the power. Yeah. So yes. I love it. And your husband is also a doctor, right? How's he dealing He's with the COVID? The COVID. It was all right. The COVID. It was. It was. It's. It's been an adjustment, I think, to everything, to the house, to how he greets his children, to you know, going to the hospital every day. At the beginning, was really, really hard. A lot of anxiety, obviously. But his hospital has been great. He's had protective gear all the time, wow. and so you know, a lot of changes in his office. Doing a lot of telework. So everybody has had to adjust one way or another. Okay. Well, I'm glad that he's safe and that he's healthy. And like, thank God they've had equipment. I have a girlfriend who's a nurse in Atlanta and she's had one N95 mask for the week, right? Like, you know, so to God be the glory for that provision and protection. Cause you know, you've got little bits at home. And so I'm glad. So talk to me right. a little bit about you guys moved to Tampa six years ago and you've been here since where are you working and tell us about your work. So my husband moved to Tampa. He trained here in Tampa. So he was here way before me while I was in Atlanta, he was here. So I just kind of met him here and we decided to settle here in Tampa. I got an amazing job at the James A. Haley VA, which is one of the biggest VAs in the nation. Mental health wise, I think it's one of the first or second largest ones. Wow. And I work at their women's center, which is pretty amazing because I only treat females um, from all ages, from little ones that I call them little because they're 21, 22. <laughs> and when you're <laughs> and in your upper 30s, you're like, oh, you wee bit less. <laughs> I, I catch myself calling them kids. Um, Might be true. You know, yeah, they are. They are pretty immature, you know, but you think, you know, at all at that age, it's OK. We've all been there. And then, you know, I treat my all, all my ladies. I just call them my ladies. I love it. And so, so talk to me about your book of work right now. So like how many patients do you treat? I mean, 
in on your roster? Like, how does that work? Talk to me a little bit about, excuse my ignorance, but how does the VA function with uh, mental wellness? So one good thing about the VA compared to the private sector, actually, is that we do have more than the average time per patient. So I get a new evaluation every day. So I get a new patient and I get 90 minutes to know this person, Oh wow! which an hour and a half is pretty big in medicine to get an hour and a half. And then for follow-ups, I get 30 minutes, Okay. you know, so my average is usually, I see like 10 patients a day, Okay. you know, and then you answer some phone calls here and there. And then you're always making sure everybody has their refills for their medications, but that's kind of how my day goes. Um, it's been, it's been busy. It's been busy. Um, a lot of, a lot of challenges happening right now, but it's been great. Mostly what I see right now, it's just a lot of anxiety, <laughs> which is what we're talking about today. Right. Yeah. A lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, you know, um, sadly with the, with the world going this week, a lot of George Floyd, you know, yeah. a lot of PTSD kind of flashbacks mm. going back. You know, a lot of fear for my African-American females about their kids who are about to, you know, their teenagers who are in the track and field, you know, and, and it's like they, they fear for their lives. So I get to see a little bit of everything, mm. you know, and I'm very lucky to be able to, you know, help them and guide them. You know, since I'm also a child psychiatrist, it helps because I give that perspective for, for their kids so that we give them a lot of tools. So it's good. I love that. We let's. I mean, let's let's go. Let let's just talk about it. Tools. How do you break it down? I I know that it's so incredibly complicated. How do you, when someone comes into your office, determine what they need? Do you do you put them in buckets of age, race, uh, and then let their experiences filter through? How do you? I'm just trying to think that, you know, as a Latina, you have a set of experiences. You're very educated as a white woman, um, educated. I have a certain set of experiences. How do we? And I guess this is a bigger point. How do we empathize with people? for experiences that we've never had. Like I have to tell you this morning with George Floyd, I was bawling my eyes out in my car cuz I just I don't I don't get it. Like I don't why is this happening? I and it's been bad. It's you know Aubrey with um Mr. Aubrey and and um the young lady um oh excuse me her name. She was a she was a first responder being shot eight times in her house the last two weeks has just been absolutely right. incredible. So I want to talk about I guess about empathy and and is that the place that you start from? I really just I think sometimes with our anxiety we feel so alone and isolated. And tell me if I'm wrong, Doctor D. Like, how do we address the things that are making us anxious? Where does it start, and how do we how do we begin handling them? So you ask many, many, many complicated questions. Yeah, sorry. Right. So, no, we we start dealing slash problem solving since we're kids. That's why taking a good good social history is so important because the person who sadly was molested at the age of six is a very different person than the one that was raised by very strong families that went all the way through college. Right. You know very different if your parents were drug addicts, very different if your parents were divorced and had an ugly divorce or were able to co-parent. So I start every single one of my evaluations with a social history. 
And then I start noticing when something broke, if something did break, you know, because it doesn't, you don't have to be marked by a negative event to have some anxiety or depression in your life. Sometimes it comes out of nowhere. Mm. I have people that tell me I have everything. Why do I feel this way? Mm. And that's when science comes in, because the reality is that the neurotransmitters in our brain we don't produce enough serotonin. That's the whole basis of depression and anxiety. The serotonin in your brain and in your body, it has a lower level. So we help you with that, you know, um, and there's things that produce serotonin and that's why we tell you to exercise. And that's why we tell you to, to eat healthy. And that's why we tell you to do holistic things also to help. But there's people that even doing that do not get where they need to be. You know. And is that those levels of serotonin, uh, is that a blood test? There's no blood test for okay. it. You know, the way that we've moved in science, really, it has been, we've done now some genetic testing, you know, so there's some genetic testing, you know, it's just, imagine 30% of the population has anxiety. They are not going to be doing extremely expensive blood tests for this. So this is more of a clinical you know, description, I'm going to listen to you. I got 90 minutes to listen to your story. And we, and I got multiple appointments to get to know about you. Cause trust me, I don't get the whole story at the beginning, you know, cause you don't know me. Why would you trust me? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and you don't know that I'm not judging you right away. Right. I, you people that come to my office know that that's the most beautiful thing about me is like, I don't judge. I've heard it all. And trust me, <laughs> Nothing that you'll tell me will scare me. But honestly, how um, refreshing for some people who have been through so much and they've been judged their whole life for where they've come from, what they look like, what they've done right. to come into a space right. where you feel like, oh, I have actually I'm for you. I don't judge you. Mm-hmm. OK, so social history. Well, yeah, go ahead. Part. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's that's what we're supposed to do. You know, that's part of our training is to, you know, and, and then you mentioned a lot about empathy, right? Being empathic, it comes from your values. Mm. Those those were installed in you. You know this, mm. you know, and, and you need to, you know, my little girls, I want them to grow up knowing that everybody's equal. Everybody can love whoever they want to love. Everybody would might look different, but we're all the same. We were all created the same. Yep. We all have some blood running. We all have the same organs. Yep. And, and we all are supposed to be independent, good society individuals. Yeah. That's that's the bottom line. And if you teach your kids to see color, that's what they're going to see. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yep. All starts with the kids. That's why we're here making a better future. Yes. Uh, okay. So, but let's go back to the process. So one, you had to take a social history Two, what or what, when, if anything has broken and then what's your next step. And then I ask him, so how can I help you today? Yeah. Really? And then I just, I just, a lot of open-ended questions, you know, how can I help you today? And I shut my mouth, which is hard to do, but I shut my mouth and then I let them talk, you know, and, and then some people are like, well, I don't know. My husband told me to be here or my mom thinks I'm going crazy. I, it goes with, you know, I, I noticed that I've been yelling more at my kids or I can't sleep. I can't sleep. It's a big one, you know, or, you know, I, I just don't have any motivation. I don't, I don't enjoy life. Life. It's pretty great right now. Yeah. So, you know, it gives me, and then I assess, I do, you know, there's ways that I can diagnose depression, right. And there's ways that I can diagnose anxiety. And I go through every major psychiatric, you know, kind of like a checklist in my, in my head, but 
you know, when somebody tells me I don't enjoy life, I say, you know, what else don't you enjoy? Mm. You know, are you enjoying your kids? Are you enjoying your husband? Well, my husband hates me. We're going through a divorce. Okay. So you kind of, my job is to kind of guide this smoothly and get as much information as I can. So I can, so we can come together and create an assessment and a plan for you. Right. So let's take one thing at a time. So what I want to do is take anxiety. Let's talk about signs of anxiety, trigger triggers for anxiety. Next, what are some things like therapies or tips to deal with this anxiety? And then the fourth step, uh, when to get help. Okay. So anxiety is one of the monsters that we have in the world. You know, again, the statistics are that 30% of the population has some type of anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, so and anxiety can, can present in many, many, many different ways. People, people can say, I feel restless or I feel tense, Mm. right? You know, some people feel panicky, Mm. you know, some people tell you they have a lot of physical symptoms. I've been getting a lot of headaches, tension headaches, cluster headaches. I get my heart palpitations, you know, some people tell me when I'm in a crowd, I start sweating Mm. and I, and I feel very, very unsafe. Um, Some people feel tired, fatigued, you know, because, you know, when you're in a very high stressful situation, it takes a toll on you, yeah. you know, physically, you know, a lot of problems with your GI system, you know, a lot of people, that's the whole dilemma with IBS, right? Huh. And a lot of people, if we control your anxiety, most of your, those bouts of diarrhea or constipation, they get better, you know, um, you hear a lot, you know, this generalized anxiety disorders, you hear a lot that I can't control my constant worry. And they tend to be very negative people, very catastrophic, ah. you know, like I, my kid cannot jump on a trampoline because she's going to break their collarbone. <laughs> well, it could happen, but you know, it, it, the chances that if she's jumping in the trampoline by herself, she should be safe. Right. Yes. You know, if you put eight kids in, then that's a whole different beast. <laughs> but but it's, um, and then avoidance, a lot of anxious people avoid things, you know, so avoid that's the store, part. avoid talking about it, avoid what? I mean, it just depends. Everything. If you, if you have trauma, yeah. going to therapy is extremely hard because the therapy for a trauma, it's talking about it. Yeah. it it's prolonged exposure. So we're going to talk about the most difficult time in your life, you know, and we're going to talk about it until you get sick and tired of it, until you get your physical symptoms under control, until you get to understand that it wasn't your fault, that it wasn't this, it wasn't that, right? But people avoid it, completely avoid it, you know. It makes sense. Why would you want to make yourself worry more than you have to? Yeah. But at the same time, the more you expose yourself, the better you'll get. Yeah. One of the things so, uh, a girlfriend of mine told told me, and she's done a lot of work, is uh, she said, take this traumatic experience, and I guess this kind of goes to tips and tricks for people to do, but to write down your story and to write down that moment and to read that story out loud to yourself or to a trusted counselor or to a trusted friend as many times as you can until it doesn't affect you anymore, until it's just... A, a, a history of these are the facts. I mean, I have a lot of abandonment issues because my father disappeared from my life. And, you know, the lie that I believe, the lie of the enemy was if your daddy doesn't love you, then whoever will. And so I always search for men to love me and men to validate me. And, mm-hmm. you know, part of my story is like, is that actually true or 
you know, no, it's not like I am lovable, but how do I release the grips that really does make me spiral into, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. Who would ever talk to me? Who this podcast would never be a thing. You're such a failure. Like, right. And it it gets me very anxious. And so uh, to that end about writing your story down and speaking it to someone trusted as many times as possible, I've also been told that your nervous system has really no sense of time that whatever happened to you when you were six, if you were molested or beaten or whatever this trauma was, can actually be triggered and rear its ugly head when you're 47 years old if you've not dealt with that. Is that true? And I guess that kind of transitions from signs to triggers. Yeah, absolutely true. You know, there's um, there's many ways that a lot of my one ex- great example is when Oh, what's his name? Kofanov. With this trial was happening, a lot of my military sexual trauma patients were ballistic, right? Because when they were in the military, sadly, they they were molested by officers, either some cadet or or a higher ranking officer, and nobody believed them. You know, and their careers ended while the other man kept getting you know, more and more promotions. Yeah. So they didn't feel validated by it. And to this go on on national TV, well, worldwide, yeah. you know, and to this judge be, you know, now have the highest position of law for life, for for life. It's just insane to them. It, it was a very hard time in my office. That's just one great example. Mm-hmm. I had patients that never, ever told me about their military sexual trauma. And those months were just like, this happened to me, the same reason, you know, which is why a lot of people don't come clean because they're not going to believe me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you so, do yeah. with those women? My heart just hurts. My mom's a survivor and, um, and I've been a th- thrown up against the wall by my throat. So not sexual trauma, but a, assault, assault, right? Um, yeah. And actually assaulted by um, a, <laughs> an administrator in my school when I was 18 because he thought he could, right, um, come on to me. Right. And I was like, no one will ever believe me. It's my fault. My first go-to was it was my fault. But back to these women, like, how do where do you start? How, how do you help them? How do you help them? It's, it's, it's very hard. So ideally you have to accept therapy. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't tell you, you need to go, but unless you're willing to go and fully participate and be ready, then I, it's, it's like an addict, right? I can tell you to stop, but until you're ready, you're not going to do it. So, so a lot of it has to do with trust. So once I usually see them before a therapist actually. So a lot of people, because people want a quick fix, right? Yeah, give me uh, the, the drugs. Medication. Give me the drugs. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I usually see them, and then they engage with me. And sometimes they're extremely depressed. We start an antidepressant, and then once they feel a little bit stronger, a little bit better, we have some trust, a relationship. They feel a little bit more confident to move forward. And there's different kinds of psychotherapy. Listen, I don't expect somebody who's never been in therapy to jump into exposure, processing trauma. There's, it's extremely difficult. So sometimes we got to treat your depression first. And sometimes we got to give you the tools to, to, you know, to change some of your cognition, some of that negative alterations in your body. Like I tell them, it's like, I need you to flip the coin. This bad thing could happen. 
but it, what are the chances of this happening? Mm. You know, what other things could happen that are not as bad? Because we live in a very, uh, people live in a very black and white world and the world is not black and white. It's very gray. And brown you know? and yellow and purple and Correct. all of those shades of the rainbow. Correct. So, you know, and there's, there's therapists that do what is called stare. Stare is a beautiful therapy. It just, it, it's, we do it before. We give you the steps and we prepare you to do process trauma therapy. Okay. But not everybody does it. The thing is, I work in a place that it's, I'm very fortunate to have a bunch of PhD doctors working next to me that do that. And I tell you, okay, and I can introduce them personally in the community. That's very hard. Yeah. You know, I'm going to refer you to somebody in the community that I don't know the chances that that person will return a phone call to me or anything are just hard. Mm. That's part of why I love working in the VA because I get all of these systems right next to me. I work next to actually all the doors around me are therapists. There's a few psychiatrists in my building. And I have the social worker right there and I have your primary care right there. So there's a sense of a team. I love so that. that. That makes it better for me in the VA that I know in the community that doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. So. And that's a whole different podcast about public health and and all of that. I mean, I come from a, I'm a doula and I, I think about uh, moms taking care of moms. Like we should have a therapist. We should have a chiropractor. We should have an OB. We should have a midwife. We should have a, a massage therapist, obviously, um, and an esthetician right. to give you a facial. Like we should all just be in a commune. So like I'm all for integrated health and wellness, right? Because it really, it takes a village to do everything. It takes a village to raise your kids. It takes a village to put our into the world and wellness into the world and all of that. So I'm a big fan. Okay, so let's go back because, oh my gosh. So we've, with with anxiety, we've got signs, we've got some triggers. These therapies in terms of like the stare, right? What are some practical things that if a mom, if a woman is at home and she says, okay, I, first, yep, check that box, I'm, I'm anxious. Where can she start at home and then let's take it up to when does she need to get some 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 support? Well, everybody needs support. But, <laughs> <For sure>. uh, <laughs> but not everybody can afford it, Mimi. Like, not everybody can right. afford that. Right. So let's start at, Absolutely. you know, for free, we can do this. And let's <laughs> move up. It depends on your level, yeah. right? It, it depends if it's, if, if it's affecting anybody, if it's affecting you at your job, if it's affecting your relationship, right? Anything mild. I don't, I don't medicate anything mild. I'm just going to send you to therapy and I am, I'm going to tell you to work it out. Cause I'm not going to give you a drug for that. Define you know? mild. What is mild to you? Mild to me is somebody who can still have relationships, who can is still thriving at home and at their job. You know, um, that's somebody who's, who's telling me, you know, like, I've been a little bit more irritable. I've been avoiding some stuff. I feel more worried about this intense, but she can identify what it's causing. There's stressors at work. You know, I'm about to go for a promotion. You know, those are necessary anxiety things happening. You know, um, people with COVID, it, it, you know, yeah. with this COVID, everybody's anxiety has been high. I'm not an anxious person and I've been anxious, right? <laughs> We're raising our hands. We're like, yes, hi. Right over here. Yes. Yeah. 
So the reality is there's some situational things that are happening that it's okay to feel anxious. And some people just need a little validation that they're not getting from their husband, right? The husband's probably telling them you're crazy, you're going bananas, you're overthinking this. Um, and the friends are not answering the phone because they're homeschooling three kids, right? So And working full-time. And working full-time, right? So that is something mild in my mind. And it's like, okay, so you know, with some mindfulness techniques, meditation, yoga, let's get better. You know, let's put things in perspective. And some people just need, you know, we refer you to the gold standard of therapies called cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. You know, and and that's what it means. Cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive, our thoughts, our thoughts, we're going to be challenging our own thoughts. So we can fight this anxiety, you know, If your boss, one example is like, if your boss told you to apply for this promotion, don't you think he thinks you're ready for Mm. it, right? Well, no, because I'm a female. He knew you were a female before he asked you, Yeah. right? So there's a lot of questions that can happen that you can make yourself to calm yourself down, Mm. you know? You know, I I, here in Hillsborough County, I'm like, look at the numbers. The numbers are not crazy high. That means people are taking... You know, even though Sam Peach, Sam Pete and Clearwater were full over Memorial Day weekend, you know, most people are taking their precautions. Most people, when you go to the stores, I got to say, I go to Publix here in Britain Plaza and most people are wearing a mask. Yeah. You know, you just hear on the news, mostly the negative. They show the people that are not wearing that, but they're not showing the majority of it. So it's challenging your own thoughts. Right. And getting information about that. Like I am, I'm a big proponent of information as power. So if I start to go down the rabbit trail with anything, I'm like, okay, what are the statistics? Like what is actually going on? I love that. I think that that's so good. Um, so education, education is whatever age and stage you're into that up and down. Yeah. Okay. So then, so that's a mild case. Let's move up, but just a little bit. So when it gets a little bit more, when she, when a, when a woman can't sleep, right? Like when is it, when does she need to be like, okay, I need to, I can't fix this on my own. I need to talk to somebody. And this might be a chat three, four times, right? This is not years of therapy. This might just be, uh, Hey, we need to do something. Well, we don't want anybody to be in therapy for years, right? The first That's the first thing. Oh. We want people to be in therapy for a short period of time. Let's fix the problem. Therapy, it, it, it requires work, but nobody should be in therapy for years. That means your therapist is actually- Not doing their job. Either the therapy, the therapy is not good or you're not doing what the therapist is telling you. Okay. Right? So, so people shouldn't be in therapy for years. We process trauma- Boom, let's go. You know, but with anxiety, the reality is that we'll always be anxious. And there's different kinds of anxiety, right? We have specific phobias, right? Where if you're afraid of lizards and we don't target the lizards, you're going to have a phobia for the rest of your life or a roach or whatever it is, (laughs) you know. And you laugh, but it's true. I can tell you about a patient that was left in the desert and she was attacked by multiple snakes. (gasps) She cannot be a snake. Oh, my God. You know, she has a specific phobia. But... The treatment for a phobia, it's exposure. She's not going to get close to any snakes. <laughs> Never. So I'm sorry right. that I laughed. I, I I was like, oh, a lizard. But yeah, no, you're right. If that was covered, holy Lord, I can't even. That would freak mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, but there's little kids that I saw that were afraid of a dog. And that is a beautiful way. We started with stickers, with puppies, and then coloring books. And then let's take a walk in the park. And yeah. if you seek treatment when they're little... Oh God, these kids will will shine. They get much better. So I love that. Also, 
so let's just with the kids because you know single moms at home single women whatever but let's move to the kids so kids are home mom's anxious dad's anxious how do we how can we help our kids so that we don't you know damage them for life we will in other ways but during covid like this is a right this is this is a special situation in time is there anything that we can do to be better for our kids and and give our kids the tools. You mean, you said before we really started that you give your girls language. I am feeling X, Y, and Z. Talk to me a little bit about tooling our, we've talked about tooling our our women. How do we tool our children to be empowered? Okay. So the first thing to know about kids is that they're extremely resilient, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and the other part is that we cannot protect them from everything. Yes. Okay. So, I don't watch the news in front of my kids. I try to minimize the negativity in their lives. Mm. You know, once they go to bed at eight o'clock at night, I turn on the news. I like to know what's happening or I'll read the news, but I don't turn on the news so they can see the death poll on the right side of the TV. Okay. You know, um, when they know that now we have a mask, why? It, again, education is key. Mama, why is everybody wearing a mask? Because sweetheart, part of the COVID and they know coronavirus yep. and interest. I live on Corona Street. So imagine the dilemma for my kids. <laughs> so, so the so, mask. So, education, right? So, I tell them, I was like, part of this virus is that it can be transmitted, you know, in the air. You know, you simplify it for yeah. them. You know, so if we wear this, we are saving, we are helping them, we're keeping everybody safe. You know, it's the same reason why we wash our hands. Why? Because we touch things, right? And we don't want our dirty hands touching things. So again, it's about knowledge, but I don't, if there's somebody without a mask, I don't go, oh my God, let's go out of here, right? I don't, I try to maintain kids' feet out of, out of our anxiety. The anxiety is projected. Yeah. You know, I'm sure we can all think back about a time that your mother went crazy yeah. and you're like, oh, well, that, that's an overreaction. You're doing the same thing with your child right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, when it was time to just send my kids back to daycare, I send them back. Why? Because my husband goes to the hospital every day. If we're going to get exposed. We're going to get exposed at home. Yeah. You know, and and for me, kids do better with structure and I needed to work because yeah. I've been slammed. Yeah. So you know what you're going and they know they have their own hand sanitizer. They know they're going to take their temperature and this is part of staying healthy yeah. and, and it's okay. And the coronavirus is eventually going to go away because there's going to be a vaccine. My kids are three and five and they know this. Yeah. we're waiting for a vaccine so we can be healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. You know, it's education. It goes back to explaining it to them in ways that they understand that they don't feel afraid to ask questions, you know, and, and acknowledging that this is very hard on you. I know not seeing your friends, not having play dates, not going to the zoo or whatever. It's hard. You know, I know it sucked not having a birthday. So we try making her, you know, I rented a bouncy house and had it here for her and her sister. And that was, she was so happy, but she's like, when are my friends going to show up? And I'm like, they're not, <laughs> you know? So we overdid it with gifts. I'm like, your friends send you this gift. That's a lie, <laughs> but we did. <laughs> I love it. She turned five. That's great. I mean, you know, I love that. That's good. That's good. You know, 
I told, I called every aunt, every grandma. I was like, you better send that gift on time this year because it, this kid needs a lot of presents. And you know what? She got more presents than if she had a party. <laughs> she felt the love, right? She felt love. Yep. She felt special that day. It was her day. And that's about it. So, but also the important thing is acknowledging that it's a difficult time for them too. Yeah. You know? They don't, even older kids, they don't, they want to see their friends. They want to play. They want to go to their Girl Scout, you know, meetings. Yeah. They want to go and do whatever. Graduations have been extremely hard, yeah. you know, but no, every grade is hard because if you expect something. That's why, that's why school is so important. The socialization part of school is extremely important for development, yeah. you know, and, you know, whatever, we're making it work the best that we can with what we have. I, I love that. I think that that's the attitude in, in general, right? I think if things are not going well, what are, what may I always ask, because my glass is half full, generally speaking. Okay, what is going well? Okay, can I rest in gratitude that my kids have a yard to play in? We lived in Manhattan for a long time, just like you. I mean, I have friends in Manhattan and Brooklyn and with children, and they it is, it's been really, really tough. Not only have those areas been hit, I mean, you know, I think it's right. ridiculously hard, but also just when you are healthy, like how do you, how do you breathe in, um, you know, fresh air? Like, can your kids leave the apartment? Not for, not for weeks, right? So I try to like rest in the gratitude. I do want to move to two things, depression, and I've heard a lot on the news about eventual PTSD. I have friends who are in the medical field, who are on the front lines, maintenance workers, nurses, doctors. Um, I feel like everyone's in survival mode. I mean, we talked about it at the very beginning, like, oh, girl, we're, we are in survival mode, right? What I am concerned about and what I really, with our time left, is I really want to help tool and prepare women for when the storm has passed and your nervous system is resting. What can people do to avoid the breakdown, the nervous breakdown? And I don't even know how PTSD works, so maybe I'm not being correct, but that's what I want to help with. Oof, that's that's very difficult. The reality is that it's difficult because everybody's different. Yeah. You know, I have friends that are ER doctors that they're the front line and they are have been affected and their level of anxiety has been insane. And some of them have been infected with COVID. And, you know, some it's just it's just it's just letting them know that we're here for you. I have a friend, my friend, she's here in Tampa. She called me the other day at three in the morning. She's like, I can't breathe, <sighs> you know, because she had to go to work the next day. Her shift started the next day, you know, and we, and we went over like, okay, this is hard, but how many cases are you really seeing? Do you have your gear? You know, your kids are okay. She had a preemie. So she has a kid who's very sick at home That's too. So, you know, she's like, I get naked in the garage and then I run. And, and I said, okay, so how can I make this better? So she decided to come to my house. She's going to shower in my house, not even touch her house and, you know, stuff like that. Amazing. So at this point, it's about survival, like I said. When things come down, there's many resources, at least for doctors. I don't know much for nurses, but for doctors, there's, um, I'm part of this, it's called PMG, it's Physician Medical Group for Mothers. Um, and we created 
a hotline for doctors that needed help, right? So it's anonymous. We don't, you know, I don't care about your name. We're just going to listen to you. It's, it's about support and understanding that this is not normal, but this is our job, yeah. you know? This is, do you sign up for this? Not everything. It's just a cough and a fever and, and uh, we sign up for it. I think what bothered doctors more was really not having the gear to protect themselves. Yeah. You know, you, would, you don't go to war without, without an AK whatever, right? Yep. So just, just prepare me, just support me, protect just me. give me the tools. Right. It's just about protection and, and feeling validated by your institution and stuff like that. And I think... Again, at the beginning, it was all very red. At the beginning, it was all very chaotic. Everybody thought the United States was going to be like New York City. No, the reality is that the VA right now today has five cases of COVID positive patients. Awesome. You know, in general, I think yesterday, of COVID positive patients. So again, it goes back to education is key and asking for help. You're struggling. You don't know who to ask then mental health is always there, always there. It's always existed. Sadly, there's a stigma to it, you know, and that's a whole different conversation. But, you know, um, sorry about that. Um, but it's it's just, that's the reality of it. Yeah. It's just asking, asking for help. If you can't sleep, if you're having thoughts that you're in the hospital, if you're having those flashbacks, if you feel short of breath, if you have palpitations. So all those things are signs of, of anxiety, you know, and, and PTSD, again, I don't think, you know, everybody who was exposed to a COVID, like it, you have to be, it has to be life-threatening. There's criteria to diagnose PTSD, Okay. you know, so, and it's, it's, it gets complicated. It's not as easy as people think you have to meet certain amount of criteria to be diagnosed with it, you know, but the first one criteria A is pretty much, was it life-threatening to you, you know? Not everybody that has a car accident has PTSD, right? Right. <laughs> but if you had a car accident and sadly your kid passed away or your husband passed away and, or you're not going to wheelchair or you lost a leg, that's very different. Yeah. Right. That's very, very different. So same. Not everybody that goes to war has PTSD. Yeah. So it, it goes back to, yeah, if I had to, the people in the morgues will probably have PTSD. There's bodies over bodies over bodies. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. It goes back to to how you react to things. Yeah. It goes back to how you see the world also and how strong you are really yeah. before all of this. Because one of my, my most interesting cases when I was training, it was this a pair of twins that they were neglected both. One twin was extremely normal, very typical kiddo, and the other one had horrible PTSD. They were twins exposed to the same thing. They were both six years old. And one was thriving in school and honor student. The other one was still at six doing one and two on diapers, yeah. you know, same exposure, but very different. The brain is extremely powerful. And I think the bottom line is we need to take care of ourselves, mind and body, yeah. you know, and, and if you need help, you need to seek and ask for it. If you don't know, you start with your primary care provider. He'll know what to do. Okay. Or she'll know what to do. You start there. You start with your doctor. He's like, I've been having this, this, and this, and this. And you have to be honest. Be honest to yourself. Asking for help is it's not a weakness, actually. It's actually a superpower. So, um, and if you're better, your family will be better and your coworkers will be better. You know, so I love that. I think that someone, my pastor said, he says, you know, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. 
And I, yeah. and I really believe that, you know, it, it has saved my life and changed my life. And I think that that is, is so important. I did want to say to you, I think it is absolutely incredible that, that you are being of service to people who are serving others. You know, when we think about this, I mean, this unit, this community, this village, right? We all need each other to get through the day. I mean, I'm so grateful for your time here and your expertise and that you are supporting your emergency doctor friends and, you know, these veteran women who have served and suffered for our country and, you know, loving your girls and empowering your girls and supporting your husband who does other, you know, doctor work, you know, neurological work. And, and I'm just, um, I'm, I'm so laid out by you and I'm so grateful that, that you are, using your education and your calling to help others. I want to ask you two questions. How do you take care of you? And then our, our very last question, how do you take care of you? It's a lot too for you, Dr. D. I, I leave work at work. Okay. And I think I learned a lot of that in therapy, you know. <laughs> so you have a therapist? I don't have one right now. I think I should. <laughs> um, <laughs> but part of my training was to go to therapy. Okay. And, and it's because you learn how to do therapy while you're in therapy and you learn how to be a patient, which is not easy to be a patient, you know, and feel vulnerable and tell people actually your weakness, especially when you're a type A personality like I am. Right. So, um, I, I leave work at work. I, I try not to think about it. I always, when I'm with a patient, I, I'm giving you my all and I leave, you leave my office and I'm like, okay, we, we did it. And it's a blank slate for the next one, you know, which it took a lot of years to learn how to do that. That's one thing. So I leave work at work. Once I go home, I, I start my second job, I say, and it's become a mom, you know, so I try to give my kids the attention that they need. And I don't get me wrong. I am guilty of having my phone out sometimes. And, you know, I'm only human. Yeah. I can only watch Frozen 2. Oh, my gosh. Too many times. Right. So, right. My one year old sings right. that she goes. Oh. It's very cute. No. Yes, now you're like I'm done. Sorry, a little PTSD, I'm a little trigger it, yeah. for you. <laughs> right, right. Um, so you know, I, I try to be present yeah. in my life, and and I and I reach out. Yeah. I reach out to my friends. I have a date night with my husband at least three times a month. You know, we try to do it weekly, but really, it's at least three times a month. We we make plans, and even though during COVID, we will do takeout. It's like it's my date night. I'm not cooking. Good for you. You know, so we will do takeout um, for that, and then I I see my friends once a month. I have a girls' brunch, Aww. and and I and I just do that. I'm not a bath person. I think I drank a lot of wine at the beginning of COVID. Then I limit myself to only, you know, Friday, Saturday okay. after the first week and a half. I was like, oh, this is getting out of control, you know. So just being honest with yourself, you know, is, is just it's just what it is. And I um, and I give myself room to make mistakes yeah. because I'm only human and I can only do so much. And my day has 24 hours just like yours, yeah. you know, yeah. and. And if I didn't do it, it doesn't mean that I was horrible. It meant that, you know, maybe yesterday I was really tired and I, and I give myself a break and I think that's part of it. You know, I love that you give yourself some grace. You know, at the beginning I was like eating everything and I'm, you know, trying to work through 
food is food is my comfort, right? But I was like, you know what, man? It's a global pandemic. Like, I'm just going to, tomorrow's a new day. And no guilt, no shame. It's just like judgment. You're already dealing with so much. You've got your baggage and you've got a global pandemic. And then you're like, ate the whole right. Publix chocolate chip cookie thing. <gasps> so good. And just like, right. okay, so start, right. and who cares? Like, who cares? Okay, last question before we yeah. go. We always end a podcast by asking, what makes you extraordinary? And I really don't I, want it to be like, oh, I help so many people, and I'm all like, like, okay, I'm going to get therapy on you. Like, not external stuff. What makes, what makes you extraordinary? A little self-love. I know, you're embarrassed. Look at you. I am. I am. I don't I really like talking about myself. And it's hard because we're so hard on ourselves instead of, you know, if you ask me to tell me 10 things bad about you, I can probably tell you 20. Yeah. You know, I think I am. I think I stay true to who I am. You know, I think I'm, I'm very, very, very honest with myself in regards to this is who I am, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm not going to change because <laughs> you care, you told me to, you know? Um, <laughs> so I think I'm a very honest person, yeah. you know, and I'm honest with myself with my husband and with my patients that my patients know a little bit about my life. They know that I have kids. They know that I'm a mother now working from home has given them a whole new light of, you know, who I am. <laughs> the shenanigans screaming and I'm like you know it was crazy but I think I think that's a beautiful thing about me that I am not going to change I'm very secure of who I am and and I think I am where I am today because I have a loving family who has gone through a lot and we've done it together you know and and I want to be that for my kids so if you like me, great. If you don't, it's your loss, you know? <laughs> I love that. It's your loss. Yeah, I'm going to be okay. And I always say that to people. I'm going to be okay. Love me or leave so, me, right? That's my thing. Love me or leave me. Take me as I am. I have to give you a compliment just to wrap up. I have been on the, I would 100%, uh, and you, we're new friends, right? We're neighbors. You know, the first time we met, I think you just had me into your house and the girls played. And then you yeah. fed me and you were like, you want some wine? I was like, yes, I do. Just this, yeah. honestly, this openness and this authenticity about you where everybody's welcome. And to me, you have made me feel like family. And just, I mean that, Mimi, like the, I know that because of your empathy and your openness and your vulnerability and your truth, you really being in your truth, that you are able to empower women that come to see you who've been through some really horrific things, that they too can stand in their truth, can stand in their power, and that they can have this. It's going to take work, but don't be afraid right. of the work because at the end of it, you've built character, you've built resilience, and let's go get it, claim it, own it. Uh, booyah. That's right. Booyah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for what you said. You know, it's, you're very special to us. And I know we've been, I've been crazy busy, but we'll get together soon. We will. <laughs> we will. After the COVID. It's so good to see you. Thank you for your time. A happy Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> Have Take a good 12 o'clock. You too. Besitos. Ciao. Bye. Besos. Bye.
All right. Well, that was Dr. Mimi Del Valle, psychiatrist at the James A. Haley VA Women's Center uh, here in Tampa. I hope that her warmth and her expertise and her service inspires you and comforts you and gave you some real tools to for you to work with during this really insane time of the COVID-19 global pandemic. I would just say, focus in on the fact that if you're feeling anxious, depressed, triggered in any way, that there's nothing wrong with you, that some things might be off and that's okay. There's a, there's off for all of us right now. There are degrees of severity, right? You might just be a little bit aggravated. This week I was aggravated, but I'm not depressed. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just don't want everyone to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want all of us to be like, oh, I'm so anxious. I'll always be anxious. Oh, my mercy. I'm anxious. No, you're having an anxious day or a depressed day, a depressed week. Label it for what it is. Don't extrapolate or exacerbate. I really want each of you to label what you're feeling, what you're thinking. If you're feeling, thinking that you're anxious, write down what are the things that are signs of feeling anxious. Okay, I'm not sleeping. I don't want to eat. X, Y, and Z. Can you label some triggers? All right, well, I get anxious when I listen to the news. Okay, so maybe you limit that, right? So that would go on to tips, tricks, therapies. If the anxious are your triggers, identify those triggers and then say, okay, what are some, what are some therapies? What are some, some things I can do to, to diminish those triggers so that it's not throwing me into, oh my gosh, my kids are going to die, right? It might need to be breathing, all of that. So meditation, yoga, whatever. And then the last, if these homespun therapies, remedies are not working for you, get help. It's okay. That's wonderful. Asking for help is a sign of wisdom, not weakness. Asking for help is a sign of wisdom, not weakness. You know, it's all throughout Proverbs what wisdom is, and it's it's seeking wise counsel. What makes you wise? It's surrounding yourself with wise people, praying for wisdom. Well, we are so thankful to spend time with Dr. Mimi Del Valle, Dr. D., Thank you for who you are, for your authenticity, vulnerability, your truth, your strength, your education and pursuit of excellence, and your service to our service women who have been through a lot and need to and can step into their truth, their strength, their calling, because you help tool them, help them process what they've been through, and then give them tools so that they can stand in their strength. They can stand in their testimony. They can stand in their calling for their life because they've done the work. So thank you for you. Thank you all for being here, having a listen to this amazing woman who is seeing, celebrating, and loving on women who have served and sacrificed for our country. Thank you, Dr. D.
I'm Charity Golden. I'm your host here at the Lipstick Network. I see you. I celebrate you. I love you. Can't wait till next time. Till then, behave yourself. Ciao.